a playlist original. Viral Twitter comedy has thrived during the pandemic, and this episode's guesswork is no different. In 2019, when live in-person comedy was still a thing, she reached the finals of the Funny Women Awards and was nominated for the Leicester Mercury Awards. She's also written for and performed in sketch comedy series Seance Cast and worked for BBC Radio 4 Extra. I am, of course, talking about the one and only Jen Ives. Please, could you introduce yourself and give your pronouns? Sure. Uh, my name is Jen Ives. I am a comedian from the United Kingdom, and my pronouns are she, her. How would you sum up your comedy? Okay, so mainly I'm a stand-up comedian, um, or I used to be uh, before the lockdown or whatever. <laughs> so now I've become somehow an an online presence. Um, so just been sort of like trying to do as much as I can on the internet just to maintain relevance. But I would describe it as, you know, a lot of the stuff I talk about is trans issues and stuff like that, but not entirely. Uh, I generally talk about anything that is on my mind. Um, but I am kind of known as that, I guess, like, oh, here's, here's Jen, the, <laughs> the trans comedian again, here to talk about all the crazy stuff that's going on. And how long had you been doing stand-up for before lockdown hit? And what have you learned in that time about the industry and audiences, particularly as a trans woman? Oh, um, well, I've been going like four years. And when lockdown hit, I guess I realised that people are really hungry for comedy still. Um, and they're so hungry for comedy that they're willing to do online gigs that are less than sort of... <laughs> um, conducive to the platform um I, I would say that like it's been interesting to watch lots of stand-up comedians try to adapt to sort of how the internet works because a lot of us although like we all grew up with the internet or whatever um we're not like internet-y people like in terms of I don't I don't stream myself gaming on the internet and I don't um play I don't do all the things that are successful on the internet I so it's been like a long journey for me to try and figure out what what people will relate to. Um, one of the nice things as a trans person about um, spending more time on the internet is specifically my Twitter. So like, obviously, I make a lot of like silly videos that are related to like current trans issues and stuff. And through Twitter, I think I've managed somehow to build an audience of trans people that I've never had before, to be honest. Like doing stand up, it's always just to you know, typical middle-class straight audiences. And the internet, I guess, is where everybody lives. So that's quite nice. Nice to find. They finally found me. So it feels good. That's really lovely. Yeah. Uh, social media obviously shapes queer culture quite a lot because it means people who aren't necessarily out can access it more easily. So how does that make you feel, knowing how much your viral Twitter sketches might help someone? Yeah, it is nice, actually. I think it's part of the part of my journey of sort of like becoming a little bit nicer in terms of my comedy output I don't know um because when you are like performing to mainly middle class straight people it's a different persona you know it's like it's like you have to come out and be like no I'm the you know I'm different and this is this is what I want you to know about me blah 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 but online you know there's so many people doing so many interesting things and you almost don't have to enter with with that um, caveat you can just sort of like you don't even have to say that you were trans for example you can just start doing what you're doing and there's going to be a lot of people who get it um, conversely there's a lot of people who don't get it <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot of you open yourself up to a whole new uh, audience of, of people who 
are quite happy to tell you how much they're not enjoying it. Um, but that's all part of it. It's fun, you know. <laughs> it's, I find it fun anyway. I don't really see it as real. You know, I see it. I see them as like artificial intelligence or something. Maybe I should think of them as real people. Um, and what's your sort of process when it comes to creating your online sketches? Do you know why it changes? Like some of them, if I'm doing it for like an outside source, like if I'm being paid to do it or um, it's like a proper thing, then I obviously take a lot of time to write it and think about it and make sure I'm getting across what I want to get across. But what I found is sometimes the ones that do the best that I make for my own like YouTube channel or Twitter or whatever, they're literally stuff that I've just come up with that morning and not really thought too hard about it and just sort of started doing it. Like I would encourage people like if they want to build up any sort of following on Twitter, just, just to sort of like post stuff, just make stuff, just do it. Like you don't have to, doesn't all have to be some big production you know you don't always need like proper good lighting or like a, an amazing camera or whatever you can just do it and people respond better to that I think um I could list my favorite sketches of yours for ages but if I had to pick one top five things you should never ask a trans woman really tickled me but what's the sketch you're most proud of oh thank you I appreciate that um I don't know I like uh I did one that was again one that was like really of the moment was one where it was in the news, it was in in the mainstream news that like some of the gender critical groups were claiming that um, lesbian identities were being erased. So um, I just made a really quick video with my sister um, in my dad's garden while I was in lockdown. And it was literally just me pretending to be like an archaeologist and um, digging up sort of like remnants of of the past of when lesbians sort of like roamed the earth and stuff it's really silly I thought it was like so silly that no one could take offense to it like I thought it was so like tongue-in-cheek and just like you know obviously I don't want this to happen obviously I don't feel this way about lesbians (laughs) um and the things I was digging up were things that are just like so stupid like a Katie Lang CD you know Sugar Rush on DVD things like that um and it really, it it really resonated with people. Like, it's the first time I've gone like, I'm not going to say viral. I'll say like semi-viral, but like pe- people shared it a lot. And as a result, it was one that I got the most amount of sort of like backlash on. A lot of very serious people sending me very serious messages about why it wasn't funny. Um, that's why it's my favourite one because I think it is funny, and <laughs> I think anyone who says otherwise is is has no sense of humour. So. How do you respond to people who react not so well to certain things? Do you message them back or do you just kind of ignore it, let it lie? It depends. If it's like, if it's like a well-intentioned, well, not well-intentioned, but if it's like a good faith sort of comment, like if it's actually someone who isn't being rude, then I might respond. But even then I I, I respond in a in a pretty unhelpful way. I think I don't, you know, I don't think you can really change anyone's mind in a youtube comment section i think it's like a really difficult thing to do what i do is i tend just to like retweet them um because sometimes people think that they're just talking directly to you and they forget that like you have a lot of people watching what you're doing and i think if someone's going to be rude it can like discourage them from doing it again if you sort of share it and I'm not trying to get anyone to get dogpiled on because the thing is a lot of these accounts are they have no picture you know they have no real name they have no 
there's no signifier of who they are as a person and that's what I find most annoying about it is that like I'm sort of like putting myself out there a hundred percent and they're not like putting themselves out there at all so that's why it's very difficult sometimes to see them as real people (laughs) but I do I, I acknowledge that they are real people um you've often said that there aren't many trans comedians on the comedy circuit what do you think still needs to improve to make it a more welcoming space perhaps um I'm not sure really the thing is like obviously when I say that I have to be careful because there are trans people on the comedy circuit but but they are definitely a minority like I don't like sometimes I get to perform with another trans person but they're very, very few and far in between. I bet if you were a trans person hearing this, you'd, they'd probably be thinking like, no, I am. But that's part of the, but that's part of the problem, you know, because I guess there are trans people on the circuit, but there's, there's none at a level that you would, <laughs> that I would necessarily be gigging with all the time. It's, it's just a really weird thing. Like when, whenever there is one, it's notable that they're there, you know, I think what would be better is if there was more people booking more trans people on, the same night there's so often I even on LGBT nights and stuff like that so often I am the only one there in in fact I've done an LGBT comedy night which was the room was absolutely packed like full up and I wasn't just the only trans person on the bill I was the only trans person in the room and it's just really surprising and weird um so you you wouldn't you wouldn't think it you wouldn't think it was something that would still be happening but it is and I don't know what it is I think I don't think the comedy industry is okay so there are a lot of nights at the moment where you go and you'll always you're always guaranteed to hear some kind of like transphobic joke like it's just I've followed people so many times and luckily you know I'm I'm the sort of person who is not fine with it but like I I'll comment on it or like I'll I'll take it with a pinch of salt or whatever but I, I do think generally people are still talking about this stuff openly and still don't get it. And it's, yeah, so I can see why it's not particularly the most welcoming environment sometimes. Another unwelcoming environment currently is the UK, which is obviously a very tough environment for trans people at the moment. And you talk a lot yeah, about... Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well-known TERFs and groups like LGB Alliance and joke about yeah. women and the lesbian extinction, as you said. Um, what was the turning point that made you start using this in your comedy? And why did you start doing that? Yeah, that's a good question. Because like, although I used to talk about trans issues and stuff, they were always a little bit more personal I guess or just was like the more basic stuff you know like you know oh this is my life blah 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 but yeah I mean I think like anybody it's been difficult not to notice what's been going on in the media and the conversation is a lot more open now and if it just honestly like I just started to get worried about it like because I've you know I've been transitioning I mean I hate the term but I suppose like I came out like 10 years ago and over that time period I've seen things feel like they're getting better and then so when they feel like they're not again when they feel like we're going on the decline it's it's noticeable and I, I know that a lot of people will say like oh you know things are things are so much better for trans people now um Maybe they seem like that on the surface, you know, maybe because you see like a trans person in, in an advert every now and then, like eating a strawberry or whatever, like you, um, you might think that it's <laughs> everything's fine, but I don't know. There's a lot of 
negative stuff being said about us at the moment. And more than that, I've, you know, I've seen like the law change and I've seen like things be proposed through the government that to me just feel ridiculous. So for that reason, I felt like I had to start talking about it just because with stand up and stuff or, or whatever I'm doing, I always talk about what I'm thinking about at the time. And I guess because we've all been in lockdown and I've had a lot more time to sort of read up on stuff and um, watch, I watch like a lot of videos of people who are so much better informed than I am, you know, like I am not the smartest person in the world, you know, that's why I've kind of gone into comedy, but like I, <laughs> I'm not like, I'm not politically aware of a lot of stuff. And I, I, you know, I read as much as I can, but you know, I've got other things to do. Um, so I rely on these people sometimes to tell me what's going on. And yeah, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot going on. And that's what I kind of realized. And I was like, oh, well, I'll just, I'll, I'll start to, maybe I'll write my show about this. And, uh, and yeah, there's a lot of, lot of stuff to write about. So, <laughs> um, and obviously, um, it can be really hard to find the funny bits in much of the gender critical movement, as ridiculous as they are. Um, do you ever have days where you just don't want to do it anymore? Um, I wouldn't say I have days where I don't want to do it anymore because I don't, you know, I, I do try to write material about other things as well. And also my show that I'm going to do, it, it has, you know, it's not all about trans stuff despite the name. Um, but, but yeah, in terms of, you know, I have days where I, where I can't look at the news or the internet or whatever because it's just it just gets a bit too much like twitter like i follow a lot of people on twitter who are very well intentioned and are doing great work in terms of like sharing all of the current nonsense that's going on but i do think there's a definite risk of just seeing too much of it because it seems to be so constant that it's like if if you if you believed what was going on on twitter 100% you would you would be led to think that like it's unsafe to go outside or whatever and the truth is it's like I've never I've never met I've never met a person who has openly told me in real life that they're gender critical I don't I don't know if they're just sort of like building themselves up during the lockdown and and when this is all over they're gonna they're gonna come out marching in the streets I don't know but um but yeah just I don't know I just I, I think I think it's fine if you need to take a break away from it and you've literally just launched the new series of your Peak Trans podcast, where you chat about trans issues with cis comedy stars. And your first episode features Alistair Beckett King. Can you tell me a bit more about the inspiration behind the show and its name and what listeners can expect? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, it's so the series is is a podcast series, an audio series, um, self-produced. It's it's called Peak Trans because Peak Trans is the name of my comedy hour that I'm doing. And so I've just sort of like named it that. So, cause it's related. It's not, you know, exactly the same, but it's related. Um, Peak Trans, I don't know if everybody knows what it means, but it's basically a terminology used by gender critical people, which refers to the point in time in which that they had finally had enough of the trans agenda sort of thing, you know, like the last straw, you know, like I was okay with trans people up to a point and then they started demanding this and that. And I just thought, you know what, this I've had enough. I've been peak trans. And I just thought it was a really funny sort of like concept. And cause again, it's so insular, you know, it's something that you wouldn't know about unless you were in the know. Um, so I started the podcast a little while ago, like the end of last year. 
and I was just experimenting with it. I wasn't exactly 100% sure what I wanted it to be. So I've got a couple of like, like there's an interview on there with um Vonnie Leclerc. I don't know if you know. Yes, Bonnie. I listened to that. It was great. Yeah, no, it, it was really nice to speak to her. She's really insightful and and honest and and amazing. Um, but it was as much as I enjoyed that interview. It was a bit serious as well, and and I think it's important to talk about the stuff seriously. But I wanted to do it more in a light-hearted, fun way. So I thought, well, I know all of these um relatively successful stand-up comedians that I can piggyback off the back of. So I was like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll interview them. Um, and it's been really, it's been really interesting. It's been really insightful. It's, it's, it's interesting to me to talk to people about gender issues and about things like that, that you'd be surprised some of the stuff they've thought about, you know, or haven't thought about, you know, one of the big things that we've been talking about is just how people who aren't trans think about their gender and, and, and if they think about it. And I've had some surprising answers to that question. So I'm, I'm looking forward to people hearing it. That's really exciting. Um, and you find taking a lighthearted approach, as you say, to such tricky topics when trans representation so often focuses so much on trauma is cathartic or useful for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it is a, it, it is a very serious world I think the whole kind of like like that's always what I've thought is like the whole 10 years of it I've noticed that um the conversation about it is very serious and that's that makes sense because there's a lot of serious topics within it but also the whole thing just feels daft to me like the whole thing like if I feel like sometimes that I'm I'm living in a experience that is like like I'm going along with with a sort of a status quo that like even I don't agree with you know it just the whole thing just feels like ridiculous um so making fun of it and making fun of myself but but less so now more just making fun of the whole situation is important to me and it is it is just the way I deal with it and I don't begrudge anybody who can't do that but I have found over the years that I have made more friends and sort of like made more uh, one, I guess is that, you know, you, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar or, or whatever. Um, I've, I've experienced that to be true. You know, I've, I've got quite a very diverse, uh, group of people that I know. And I think I've got that through trying to be relatable on other levels as opposed to just trans. But that being said, I am really happy now that trans people are starting to engage with my stuff because it's something that I've never really had before um and I've always sort of I don't know like sometimes I feel like no I'm you know I'm making this stuff for you like I'm hoping that you resonate with it and uh I guess I just needed to go semi-viral <laughs> with a top with a topical <laughs> thing in order for that to happen the, the lesbians did it for me I would say <laughs> good old lesbians I know they're always helping <laughs> Um, and apart from the inevitable fame and fortune, what do you hope to achieve with your comedy? <laughs> um, oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I, I like the idea of like longevity is what I like. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, uh, I feel like there's so many trans stories to be told. I, I feel like I get so annoyed at the at the way that it's portrayed in the media you know even even mm. stuff that feels good is still uh 
is still made with a with a straight audience in mind you know it's mm-hmm. it's still it's still very it still hits all the beats that it's supposed to in order to to get made you know and yeah. i'm just sick of it i just i just i just think that trans people can tell their own stories in interesting ways and um I would like to be involved in that. <laughs> I, would, I, I, I would very much. I feel like I've got like like people like someone asked me recently like, oh, would you ever wanna, you know, would you ever wanna make a TV show? Like, would you ever wanna tell your story? And I was like, well, yeah, obviously, but also like I don't feel like I have one story. You know, I want to tell lots of different stories. It's it's also like um, people say, you know, um, trans roles for trans actors and stuff like that. Yeah, and I and I appreciate the sentiment. I think that's important, but like. I want, I would go one step further. You know, I want to see like not trans roles for trans actors. I want to see like, I want to see people, I just want to see us like more, less tokenized and just more integrated into, into the mainstream, not just appearing on panels for like talking about serious shit, but like, you know, I want, I want to see, I want to see us <laughs> represented better and hopefully yeah, I can be a part you. of that. So. You definitely are. Um, oh, thank you. And, um, I'm trying to ask all my guests this because it's something I think about a lot myself. Do you think your own youth would have been any different if you had seen more LGBT representation in culture? Yeah, definitely. I think. I think so. One of the things that is unfortunate about the time period that I was a kid in, not that it was like the worst ever, but the way that it's different from today is that like, yeah, there are there are a lot more positive trans role models on the internet and and places for for young people to see them when i was younger it was things like jerry springer um there's something about miriam um just reality tv things like that uh, very Mm. depressing documentaries about people struggling to live their lives and stuff (laughs) and and as a and as a result of that um you know, your, your family and your friends and people around you, they talk about these, these things. And, Mm -hmm. and the way they talk about these things are represent, are sort of like, they're influenced by the way the media talks about these things. And they're Mm -hmm. influenced by the status quo. And that when I was growing up was very negative. You know, it was, it was just, you know, it was, people just were in disbelief about it and just thought this is weird, you know, people talking about it like that. And as a result, that's probably what contributed to me not having the confidence to come out for a long time. So I think the good thing about now is that a young person might feel more comfortable talking to their friends or family about how they're feeling as opposed to putting it off until they're 20. Um, that being said, I don't know, you know, I, looking on the positive side of it, maybe, maybe it built up character or whatever, but I don't know, who knows, <laughs> who knows? I think sometimes I think it, I'd rather have, I'd rather look pretty than have characters. So. <laughs> I'm like kidding, obviously, I'm message, kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can do both, you can have it all. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and now it's time for my quick fire round. So answer the first Brilliant. thing that comes to mind. Um, okay. Favourite LGBT TV show? My mind works very, very slowly. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, it's fine. Take your time. Oh my god! Uh, uh, transparent, I guess. Yeah. Um, and favorite LGBT comedian? 
Oh my God, that's so hard. See, that's me. No, no, I would never say that. No, 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 that's, that's bad. And um, that's so difficult. That's so difficult. I have, I have a current favorite LGBT comedian. I really okay. like, I really like Josh Jones. I think Josh Jones is brilliant. Um, and favorite LGBT artist. Do you know what? It probably was Sophie, which is really sad, but yeah, Sophie. Aww. Yeah, really like um, Sophie. Favorite LGBT book. I want to say, oh my God, um, that's a really, that's really hard, you know. <laughs> I don't want to sound like I don't read because I do. Um, <laughs> it depends on what counts. I, do you know what? Like my favorite, Anything. my favorite Anything. book, my favorite book, um, is a comic book. <laughs> it's just so, oh, it's yeah, like, no, that totally <laughs> but it, but it's, but it's Ghost World. And I've always considered that an LGBT comic just because like the energy mm-hmm. that, um, those two characters give off is exactly what I've always sort of gone for. It's definitely like, it. it's definitely like, there's definitely some kind of, uh, bisexual Tigo energy coming from that. But yeah, so <laughs> good old comics. Um, yeah. and, oh, and gender also- trouble, by oh. the way. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, I haven't. Have I checked that one out? I'm going to have to do that now. Yeah, it's Judith Butler. Um, oh, of it's, course it's Judith yeah, Butler. It's yeah, it's really, 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 really good. Really good. That's my smart uh, one. That's my smart choice. <laughs> uh, Favourite LGBT film? Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Nice choice. Yeah, I love it. I've, I, I, like, it doesn't matter how many times I watch it. Like, it always hits all the beats. You know, I always laugh. I always feel sad at the right point. Like, it's brilliant. I'm still sad I've not seen the musical on stage yet, but one day when I would, I would, I I would like to see it, but I'm, I'm still confused of how it works because like the original isn't like a musical, is it? It's like the film's not a musical. No, I know. I do. I I have no idea, but um, I'm excited to see when things actually get back on stage. Um, Favourite LGBT play? Play, did you say? Yes. Oh, Angels in America. Nice. Yeah. Did, Although I've never seen, ever, I've never seen, not, never it seen it live. Like I, I saw the national one with um, Andrew oh, Garfield. So and lucky! Was, yeah, I um, uh, queued up in the morning to get day tickets because I obviously couldn't afford like proper ones, and yeah, mm. it was totally worth it. Well, um. that's the thing. I mean, it's so inaccessible, isn't it? I was really hoping, it like is. you, you know, when lockdown first started and the national theatre was doing like yeah. YouTube versions of stuff. I DM'd them and I said, <laughs> "Nice." I said, "Can you please release the Angels in America um, one that you did because everyone yeah. really wants to see it?" And I was like, "I was like, I was like, that's your public service, you know, during lockdown. You should really do that." Um, yeah. Some so just sorry to go off on a tangent, but just one thing about that okay. is that um, there is they did release an audio book of it. Mm-hmm. um on audible so you can listen to the entire production which i have done nice. but that feels so daft as well because one of the things about that production that made people want to see it was the visuals of it as well totally. like apparently they're yeah. like incredible also they so they did record it and if you want to when the lockdown is over you can go to the national theater archives and you can watch it um for free Um, if you but but on your own with headphones in a little booth you can watch it but um but yeah just so please national theater if you listen to this stop being homophobic (laughs) and release angels in america to to the world the hbo one is good is amazing but we want to see it it's not the same like yeah the the way they did the angel it was just yeah glorious yeah i've heard Um, i I would watch like an amateur dramatic version of it i just want to see it performed you know 
uh, you've obviously shared a lot about your transition, including most recently your nose job, and you wrote an excellent article on it for Funny Women, which people should definitely check out. Um, but in that, you also note that it would be nice to talk about something else for a change. How do you think we'll get on from the point where you will be able to feel the need to move away from focusing on trans identity in your comedy, if that makes sense? Yeah, no, that does make sense. Um I don't know because the the thing about it is I've I've been talking to people about this recently, I, I guess because of my podcast, but like one of the things about that is that when you I guess when you are like a, a visible minority and you are in a world like stand up where the majority of stand ups are like straight white men essentially and the audiences are like reflect that sometimes, it's I've experienced this thing where you go up and you you can feel it in the air, you know, you can feel that people are looking at you in a way as if to say, you know, are you going to mention it? Like, are you going to confirm what I'm thinking? So sometimes you just, you just feel like you have to mention it. And I have experimented with not doing that. I've, 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 I've done entire sets without mentioning it and it's fine. It works. But I think that you're always as, for as, as long as we're in a position in society where we are looked upon that way, it's always going to be like that I think and I'm, I'm hoping that we'll be able to get away from it but we'd have we have to do a lot more work to to normalize uh trans people in society and we're going the complete wrong way at the moment 100% like we're like because of the the gender critical stuff and the sort of like bathroom panic and all these other things not to get too serious but I do genuinely think that we are slowly but surely like being othered again and I and I think we're going backwards and i think the uk is uh in a right state at the moment <laughs> so sort it out yep i would agree with you there um and as you say in your interview with um Fonny, uh she mentions that what's happening to trans people here feels like the precursor to section 28 did which is obviously terrifying and it's lgbt plus history month now which obviously coincides with the repeal of section 28 um, do you have any advice on what allies can do to help stop this backward slide? I know it's the allies' job to figure <laughs> sure, it out, sure, really, no. but you know. <laughs> um, yeah, so I would encourage people to, I guess, like, I guess one of the easiest things you can do is just for now follow more trans voices on social media, um, particularly as we're in lockdown. You know, there's not a lot more we can do. Obviously, like donate. Yeah, donate to causes and stuff. But the reason why it's good for um, cisgendered allies or whatever to, to do that, I think, is because, you know, I'm a trans person. And through doing that, I have learned so many things that even I was like taking for granted or I wasn't aware of. You know, you can like like I said before, I'm not a particularly academically smart person. Like I didn't do very well in science and things like that. I'm not an expert in biology. But through following certain YouTubers and some of them who aren't even trans, some of them who are just biologists, I've learned so much and, and so many useful defenses and so many, um, conflicting arguments to, cause the problem with the gender critical stuff, right, is that they have somehow achieved this element of mainstream acceptability to the point where they are being interviewed on TV or they're being taken seriously as an organization or, or a group of organizations. And trans people don't, 
really seem to have that. You know, whenever a trans person appears, it's usually as an independent body. It's usually, um, to, to play the part of like the sort of, uh, snowflake, um, reactionary, emotional, uh, pundit, I guess. And I think everybody just needs to be more armed against the arguments. And it's, it's really easy to do. I think, I think I just, the thing about these gender critical people is they have, they're so unimaginative to the point. No, but honestly, like, like they have, it's, they're so literalist and there's, they, like, we don't live our life in, in that much of a essentialist literal way. You know, they have, they have no philosophical thought and that's like the worst thing about them. So I think it's really easy to, to arm yourself against those arguments. And I would just encourage people to do that and to be more like, here's the other thing. When, when a popular like celebrity person like JK Rowling or even someone as irrelevant as James Dreyfus, right? When they, um, come out and say something against trans people, they get an influx of people who support them and respect them and agree with them purely based on their celebrity status, right? Um, if we had something counter to that, it would be brilliant. And if it was actually based in scientific fact and actual, you know, real applicable knowledge it would be brilliant like we we would be we would definitely be able to turn the tide on it if we just had because people listen more to you know they they respect and listen more to people who are in the mainstream and who are not trans that's just the fact yes, of it like like they've got they've got more social uh, currency so we need that we need people to to tell them what they actually think of them totally um and how will you be marking lgbt plus history month I will be marking LGBT plus history month by just being me <laughs> and Love living it. my life. And Sorry. actually, um, I've, okay. So with the launch of the podcast, I have also launched a Patreon account, which is something I've never done before. And I'm still set, I'm, but I'm still setting it up because I don't get it a hundred percent, but don't <laughs> let that, don't let that dissuade you. I would appreciate if people did, if they could, if they did, um, donate to it because the money is will not be going to me. Um, I am setting it up specifically to go to related charitable causes. I'm probably going to pick like three charities to split it up with and the money. And I want it to be transparent. I want people to see that that's happening. I'm trying to figure out how to do that on Patreon. Um, but if people do want to support my work and what I do, they can follow me on Patreon as well and get exclusives, blah, blah, blah. I'll do all that stuff, but it's going to charity. So. And where else can people find you if they want to check your work out? Uh, yeah, they can follow me on Twitter. That's where I do my, like the main stuff. That's at Jen Ives comedian. Um, I also have a website called jenives.net. You can like look at older stuff and videos and things on there. Um, you can listen to my new podcast that launched today, um, which is called Peak Trans. And you've really used the pandemic as a time for innovation with your Twitch streaming and your new socially distanced comedy night in Hoxton in London. Hopefully that will be able to come back soon. Um, yeah, I hope so. What has the rest of 2021 got in store for you? Or rather, what have you got in store for it? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, I've got a bit of a reputation of being a bit of a tryhard, you know, like I'm always doing something. So <laughs> I am... <laughs> I've, I have a lot of things on the back burner. You know, I've been writing a lot of stuff. I've got things that might happen that might not happen. Who knows? Um, but yeah, there, there'll be, there'll be lots of stuff coming out. Um, 
And if people, if people subscribe to that Patreon, there'll be even more. Um, I really want to, I want to do more sort of like YouTube stuff. Uh, I don't know. There's, I've got plans. When, when the lockdown's over, I think I'm going to go like full steam ahead. Like I'm, I'm going to be more out in the real world, doing things, making things and, um, just taking over, you know, the yeah, trans agenda will, will reign supreme. <laughs> um and twitter sketches obviously rely on short form comedy but um what can audiences who've discovered you that way expect from your longer work or is there not much of a departure yeah they do they do benefit from like yeah it's short form on twitter um you would think that people have a very short attention span but i think (laughs) no no, but but i think the truth is is like twitter just it it sort of um it forces you to do to do short form stuff like you can't do videos over over two minutes 20 my longer stuff is i mean it depends on how much you can tolerate me really i suppose <laughs> um if you if you feel like you could sit with me for an hour and listen to me try out some material that i haven't had the opportunity to try on stage then um <laughs> then uh then please i think you'll love it but but so my, my debut stand up hour is, is obviously about an hour long and it is, it, it's not just me doing stand up. There's, there's a bit more to it. There's a, there's a visual element and there's like a, a slight narrative to it. Maybe I don't know. I'm working it out. So, so yeah, like I, I feel confident that I can pull off long form as well. I actually, you know, I'd, I'd like to maybe make a film one day. We'll see what Ooh, happens. I, I like know. that. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much, Jen. That was a really lovely chat. I hope you enjoyed it too. I really did. Thank you. I'm sorry if I went a little bit like off on one. Not a problem. I love that. That's the best. Okay, good. Yeah. No, thanks for having me. 